name is Raphael, and welcome to episode 87 of the Bulak Books podcast. I'm in Rabat, and joined today by Marshalling Squaley, my mom, who is also in Rabat. We are also joined by Milo and Ursula. Hi. Hi. Who are in Amman, Jordan. Today, we're talking about Thunderbird, a time travel trilogy by Palestine. Palestinian novelist and professor Sonia Nimmer, translated by me and my mom. Sonia Nimmer writes for children and youth in Arabic and English and retells folk tales for a larger audience. She is the winner of the 2014 Etisalat Award for Children's Literature for Best Young Adult Book for her book. Wondrous Journeys in Strange Lands, which also won the 2021 Palestine Book Award. Sonia is an Associate Professor of Philosophy and Cultural Studies at Bizet University in Ramallah. Thank you, Raphael, for that lovely introduction. Um, Milo and I are, are here in Amman, and we're very excited to talk about this book with you guys. Do you want to say hi, Milo? Hi, Milo. <laughs> um, do you want to say anything about yourself? Um, so my name is Milo Alamrani. Um, I'm nine years old. I'm going to be 10 very soon. Um, and I'm excited to be on this podcast. As you probably know from the introduction, uh, I'm Ursula's son. Thanks. I'm excited to be on this podcast too. Um, and uh, and to congratulate you, um, Marsha and, and Raphael, I guess you, you helped uh, your mom with this work, with translating this really um, great book. Yeah, that's something we wanted to talk about, but uh, Raphael has helped on several projects now and even to the point where... Um, <laughs> He's hired out for June to be working with Savad Hussein on her uh, translation of The Jinn's Apple by Jamila Morani, who's an Algerian writer, um, w- which is a, a YA mystery novel. Um, it, it, it's been really helpful to have particular. It started with um, when Savad and I t- co-translated the co-written Gherian Rowen, which is a novel uh, in alternate chapters by Fatma Sharafuddin and Samar Mahfouz Baraj. And um, I translated Fatima's chapters and, and Savad ch- translated um, Samar's chapters. But in the end, with the dialogue, um, we just wanted to make sure that it, was, it didn't sound like adults writing kids' voices. Uh, uh, and it was, so it was great to have Raphael to bounce, you know, to read through the, the dialogue and to help us with that in the process. And, and with this as well, um, I, I had some, the trickiest translation issues to me so far have been in book two. Um, and, and also they were dialogue issues. Um, but, but, you know, just in general, like, you know, anything that he, he flagged up or didn't get or uh, didn't make sense to him. Or sometimes, you know, the adult editor will say, oh, kid could never understand what this is, you know. Um, uh, but you know, it, it, you know, and and actually, as it turns out, Raphael has no problem <laughs> getting it. So um, it's been really helpful to have uh, a, a kid co- a, a co-editor, and I recommend it for 
for everyone translating uh, for children. Cool. Well, shall we talk about, shall we give a summary of what um, this this book is about? Well, who, the, who the main characters are, what the setting and the story is? Yeah, could you start us off with that, Raphael? Oh, uh, sure. So the main characters of the series are are Noor, a Palestinian girl, and Sabika, a jinn from the world of the jinn. You could ah. just tell us how it starts out in, in the first chapter. Where do we where is Noor? We start out with Noor's uh evil aunt getting her fortune read. Uh and Noor's grandmother suggesting that Noor could get her fortune read, which Noor's uh, evil aunt hates because Noor's evil aunt hates Noor because she's Noor's evil aunt. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so Noor, Noor is a, has been orphaned. Her parents both died in a plane crash, which during a time travel trilogy, as you can imagine, becomes difficult to explain to kids from the past what that means. But um, she's now living as the story opens with her uh, uncle and aunt, who particularly her aunt resents her presence there in the household. Her, her, you know, her uncle defends her as best he can, but it's, he's not really loyal to her either, I don't think. Her uncle defends her while his grandmother is there. Oh yeah, well, yeah, while the grandmother is still alive, and then then she's pretty much her 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 last remaining source of support is her her grandmother, and after that, well, thank goodness she turns out to have superpowers. That's all I'll say. Yeah, right. What did you What did you think about the beginning, Mila? What were your first impressions of the story? Um, I liked it. Uh huh. Why? Or what did you like about it? Okay, I really liked um, Widad. The evil aunt? Yes. Uh-huh, she's a good villain. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if she's like, because um, I've not read it that far, I've been here to like chapter eight. I'm not sure if she's like just a villain in the beginning or if she turns out to be like a bigger villain. Hmm. But I like how she continuously tries to make Noor's life miserable. And whenever Noor does get something, uh, tries to make sure that her own daughter, Wafa, also gets to do it. Mm. Yeah, she's a pretty terrible person, but it's interesting how we enjoy reading about mean people being mean to nice kids. Uh, I mean... I can relate because I'm a mean person who is what? mean to, to nice kids. <laughs> no. I'm a bully, okay? I don't believe I'm you. I'm a mean okay. person. Do I you mean, believe me, Milo? Give me your lunch. Yes. Hey, Milo, please give me your lunch money. I need it. Oh, you sound really mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 you, you sound like you're making a weird Italian accent. As a mean guy. Yes. Yeah. I need, I need the money to make it a spicy meatball, my friend. Please. All right. Please, so, um, my friend. So the superpower thing comes on a little bit as a mystery in the beginning. Yeah, just there's countless and endless signs about phoenixes. Phoenixes? Phoenixes. I am pronounced phoenixes. Phoenix, Phoenix. Right, which is which is the which is the title thing. The Thunderbird is is another. 
We're is for Phoenix. For Phoenix or yes. Phoenix. Yes. Phoenix. Um is is Thunderbird actually a literal tra- is that the, is that the Yeah, a that's a literal translation. From Arabic? Um ah. so um a- actually one publisher that was interested in translating the book said we couldn't use Thunderbird because it's also a part of some uh Native North American uh cultural folklore um so that we couldn't use that as a title but even though it's a literal translation from arabic (laughs) i don't know i Um, think it's cool that it's thunderbird rather than phoenix because because it's just a newer expression like it it makes perfect sense you get an image right away kind of but it's not something you've heard before where i think if it was called the phoenix it wouldn't seem as original and also the phoenix sounds more like an adult bird like an adult story mm-hmm. that includes a secret organization called the phoenix mm-hmm. then evil aunts torturing their children ah okay <laughs> well, so it makes it it has more of a dead kid. relatives yes yes yes, yes. they're orphan children right but it's not all doom and gloom in the beginning because there's also this mystery that you get drawn into right right pretty soon right like i'm pretty into figuring out the mystery of um like this little girl seems to have the power to start fires and there's this mysterious ring she's given and there's a files she finds on her parents computer so we're pretty curious right now about what the what we're going to discover yeah, like, why did the powers of this ring make her go unconscious, have the powers of a fe- of a phoenix, and commit arson? Just, huh? I mean, you know more than us. Like, you guys translated <laughs> well, I, the I book. I don't know how, don't much know. We should, how much we should reveal about uh, what happens later in the book, but, but I yes, don't think you should so reveal, but you can reveal this- her powers, maybe, or what, what, what she's you know, what she's going to be capable of or what her challenge is going to be. Right. So basically she is going to be tasked with saving the world, um, this 13-year-old Palestinian girl. And I think one of the things to me that was immediately compelling about, about her situation as she needs to go about saving the world is that she also needs to um, surmount the the challenges of just being a Palestinian girl as she goes about trying to save the world. So she, there's a clue at the Rockefeller Museum in, in Jerusalem, and she basically has to uh, get one of her mother's former colleagues, uh, Dr. Samir, to help her illegally cross into Jerusalem over the checkpoint that she does not have a, a pass to, to cross from Ramallah to, to Jerusalem. Um, and, and so as, as this, as this girl needs to save the world, um, as the, the jinn explains, Sabika explains to her and her uncle, Shamsukuno, um, she needs to travel back in time and get these, um, four feathers from a, from the Thunderbird at different times that it burns throughout, throughout the past. Uh, she, she also needs to navigate contemporary, uh, borders and, and, and militarized zones. So, uh, it makes it, 
<laughs> sort of a double challenge of both challenging the, you know these creatures are now the wall is between the worlds is breaking down because it seems like it, unless she gets these feathers and they they're able to uh, shore up the wall between the worlds the the two wall the worlds the world of the of the jinn and other creatures and the world of the humans will will start to melt together um and and this happens progressively throughout the three books that the, mm. that the wall is breaking down and these bizarre creatures are coming across into the human world. And that's part of the, the fun of, 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 you know, the novelist, the trilogy as it goes on as well. But, but you also have the sort of realism uh, of the contemporary world of how challenging it is for um, a Palestinian girl to even move around inside between cities that are so close together. Hmm. Um, and a number of people who've read the book have have already mentioned this this checkpoint scene where she's trying to get with Dr. Samir from um, from Ramallah to to Jerusalem. Do you guys want to read the scene? Uh, yes, I would love to. In fact, I have it printed up right here. <laughs> Cars were lined up in front of the checkpoint, waiting to be let through. Noor sat next to Dr. Samid, shrinking down into herself uh, as she stared straight ahead in terror. It was as though the moment she saw the checkpoint, all the determination she'd felt the day before had melted away. As for the doctor, he was wiping sweat from his face, even though it was a cold day. He turned and asked Nood, Aren't you scared? Yes, she said, a little tersely. You? A little, he said. Remember, if they ask, you're my daughter, Sama. He went on, trying to ease her worries. Don't be scared. We'll get through the checkpoint without a fuss. I've passed through here a thousand times. I don't need a permit since I'm from Nazareth in 48 Palestine, and they usually let us pass without any issues or interrogation, so don't worry. But his words didn't do much to reassure Noor. She was surprised that Samid was from Nazareth, a Palestinian city occupied in 1948. She always assumed that since he taught at Birzeit University and lived in Ramallah, he must be from the West Bank. When they got close to the checkpoint, a soldier waved to the doctor who pulled to the side and stopped his car. The soldier reached a hand through the window and asked for his ID. He carefully examined the ID and then gestured to the moving line after returning it to the doctor. But then, before the car had started to move, the soldier waved at him to stop. He stuck his head through the window and asked, pointing at Noor, And who is this? The doctor struggled to make his voice sound natural in spite of his anxiety. She's my daughter, and we're going to send her to Nazareth. You have proof, the soldier said. A birth certificate? Her name isn't listed on your ID. Of course, of course not, the doctor said. Why should I carry my daughter's birth certificate? Her name is listed on her mother's ID. And how do I know she's not an illegal? The soldier asked. 
Nude had reached the stage of terror when she could no longer hear the conversation going on between the soldier and the doctor. Their voices had become a buzzing in her ears, and she was gripping the door to handle so tightly that her fingers had turned white. She closed her eyes, trying to control her fear. Then suddenly, she heard screams and orders in both Hebrew and Arabic, and voices that sounded tense and confused. When she opened her eyes, she saw that, straight in front of her, the shelter where the, sh- where the soldiers had been standing had caught fire. The soldiers dashed away from the um- umbrella-like shelter, shouting. The soldier who had been standing next to their car ran towards the others, and all the soldiers called out to people not to move. They raised their weapons, ready to open fire. Military vehicles drove up and surrounded the civilian cars, while a group of soldiers struggled to put out the flames with fire extinguishers. Nood was still shivering violently, and the doctor tried to calm her fears by asking, in a voice of pretend merriment, "'Did you do that?' "'I didn't mean to,' she said, her voice shaky with tears. "'I got scared. Look at them, (laughs) jumping around like grasshoppers,' he said, laughing. Then he added, Ah, but you must learn how to control this gift. They waited inside the car for a long time. The soldiers extinguished the blaze and then they began to search the cars, as if trying to find someone to blame. And indeed, after a few minutes, the soldiers were back at the checkpoint with three young men, their hands secured behind their backs with plastic zip ties. After a while, they allowed cars to flow through again. Do you have any questions about that scene, Mila? Um, not really. So she's the one who starts the fire with her powers? Yeah, so it's it's funny for me, uh, since I'm working on book three, when and by that point, she really has control of, of her, her powers. But yes, it all... All through the beginning, she, um, she, all through the first novel, maybe part of the second too, she's still figuring out. She doesn't even know how to control these. It's whenever she has a strong emotion, something catches fire around her. So yes, she has accidentally caused this fire and accidentally caused these three young men to go into administrative detention, um, which Dr. Samir tries to pretend to her isn't really going to be that bad or they'll be fought. The kid, the uh, guys will be fine. But uh, I think we understand from the context that administrative detention probably isn't very nice. And um, I mean, so you translated this book, these kinds of references, I mean, this, the fact that the setting is uh, Palestine, the fact that it is the occupied West bank, the fact that there are scenes like this, was I mean, was this an issue in in finding a, a publisher for the story or just something that you even thought about in terms of like this would be surprising to uh, a Western audience? Well, so so I've been exceptionally fortunate to work with Dena Al Fraisabi at University of Texas Press, who has not she uh, maybe earlier when when it referred to um, forty eight Palestine I, we fleshed out um, an extra phrase, Sonia and I together, to to kind of explain what that means a little bit. There, you know, there's a little, um, a few additional 
uh, explanations, but in no case did she want to, you know, let's give the other kind of side of the story. I, I imagine that a number of publishers would be nervous around, um, you know, what they would consider a political book for, for, you know, readers that are imagined as say nine to 13 or 10 to 14. Um, so far, the readership has, um, anyone who's mentioned the checkpoint scene has mentioned being moved by the checkpoint scene and not, you know, not that it was inappropriate for their 11 year old. So, um, uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't ask any, any publisher who turned it down, what, what their reasoning was. But. And, and, and first and foremost, so like the book is a, is, is a pleasure to read just because it's like a very nicely structured, suspenseful, like story. Like it's, 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 it's a really great put greatly put together, like with these elements of like some danger and some mystery and, um, and these, these riddles to solve and this powers for this kind of powerless girl to discover. And, uh, um, I don't know. I w- I'm curious because I'm sh- I'm sure Raphael reads a lot of other things, and Mila does too. Like, does it remind you guys of any of the other books that you've read, or do you compare it to any other series that you guys have read? Not really. Uh, it's pretty original. I mean, it's not in that. Oh, yes, you have to get this and this and this, or otherwise the world would end. But in the execution. Um, I find it kind of original because not many um popular like kid series that includes power that include powers have that much to do with um the Middle East or South Africa. Um, I may be wrong, but the ones I've read, they're mostly based in Europe or America or North America. Yeah. That's a really good observation, Milo. Uh, Sonia wanted to, one of the things as we talked about launch events, she wanted to do something about fantasy novels from, you know, from areas of, of conflict or areas in the news, you know, that, that so often a Palestinian novel will be about just about, you know, uh, the story of a, of life in Palestine, or what's the wall like, or or something like that. That it's that it's much more rare that it's a fantasy novel, a time travel novel. That it has fantastical creatures and and fun things going on. I would say that, uh, that like you need like uh, literature from other places. Uh... I'm. I. I have no idea where I'm going with this. That's okay. We don't know either. Half the time, where we're going with 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 the things that we say about books, sometimes we can't figure out quite why we like something. We just know that we like it. All right. Um. Can I bring up like an idea from before? Go ahead. Of course. Uh, like um. Uh, before we were talking about like uh like like Thunderbird and like how the title Thunderbird is more is is a better title than just Phoenix um it's because it's different and that's why other and that's why translated literatures and like literatures from people that have lived and grown up in a separate place from you that have had different struggles than you that have had more struggles than you that's why that's that's why that's important 
Are there other translated books that you've enjoyed reading? Um, yes. I mean, like... Like, I know you're a huge fan of David de Morisanotto. Yeah. He's an Italian writer. Uh, yeah, he wrote this book called Red Stars, and it's my favorite book of all time. Translated by Denise Moore. I will have to check it out. Yeah, and so, and you'd been telling me earlier that without, you know, since there are many languages that you don't read in. Uh, yeah, it's just, um, it, it gives you a more broad, like, range of of reading. So, like, if, like, uh, there's, like, a hundred, a hundred phenomenal books in the world, and only one of them uh, is in English, uh, then you'll, then you'll go your whole life with only one percent, uh, book, good bookness. But if they're all trans, but if they're like, Half of them are also translated into English. Then you'll go with 51%. Uh, good bookness. In, uh, good bookness. Thank you. <laughs> Though, um, probably it would be more like 70% translated because English is a very commonly translated language. Like, English is a very common language. Yeah, a lot yeah. of... Um, Good books are translated into English. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't think that Marshall and I could have said it any better than you guys. Um, <laughs> and uh, the book next, yeah, really. And um, I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna finish this book. It's the book is part of a three-part series, right, Marsha? And is the second volume also out in English or not yet? The second volume is, is in the final proofing stages. If I have any comments, I have to get them in in the next two days. Um, and and the designer, Noha, is working on the cover for, for to finalizing the cover of book two, and that will be out in the fall. And as for book three, I am coming close to a, a solid draft of, of book three, and then that will be out in 2023. So they'll all come out pretty pretty close together, which I'm excited about. Yeah, because I uh, personally, I really hate waiting on the next book in a trilogy series. So um, I'm glad that readers will get them pretty close together. Oh, um, can I add another thing about the about the checkpoint scene? Uh huh. I hope, like in the last book, they time travel back, and it's like right after like. Uh, she and after Noor and Miss and Doctor Samid have left the like the checkpoint, and they go, and they like the they free the three uh, people they free the three uh, men from being beat up and like locked up in the detention camp in the prison. Mm. Well, that can be for your fanfic. Uh, yes, for your um, add-on fanfic. Yes. Isn't there always such an element of wish fulfillment to stories about time travel? Isn't that part of the magic of them? Listen, I want yeah, to thank you guys. Unfortunately, I think Noor really has to a little bit stick to the plan of saving the world. Um, right. Interesting. Yeah. But I think we could see a spinoff story, Raphael, where, where you write a story and go back and, and help out those three guys. Mm -hmm. Um. 
I want to thank our two guests for joining us today very much. We've never done a four-way conversation. I think we more or less managed not to talk over each other too much. <laughs> um, and 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 this episode of Bullock Taken Over by Kids, as Raphael said earlier, is I think has been a, a great idea. Did you guys enjoy taking it over? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> If we took it over, it would mean like no adults, uh, probably. Instead of well, the thing is, we are not. In fact, uh, we're not too invasive. We uh, we allow um uh, we allow diversity even after conquering. So you'll tolerate our presence. <laughs> like oh, tolerate, Fine. I'll tolerate you. You guys will. You guys will. You guys will let us be here as your sort of like assistants. Yeah, and our servants. Like, if we want, like, ice cream or something, you get us ice cream. Hey, okay, that's yeah. it, Marshall. Oh. They gotta go start their own podcast. We've we've opened a can Ooh. of worms. Okay, we'll call wow. it Bulak, but better. BBB, <gasps> <laughs> BBB with the kids. The kids are BBB. Okay, that's B-B-B-B. it. We're cutting this out. We're cutting this off right here. Things are getting out of control. No. <laughs> um. um Rafa, you that was great, great prep for this episode. Great reading, great intro, and it was really great talking to you guys. And thank you to all of you, all of our listeners. Um, we hope that you enjoyed this special episode. And uh, we'll be back soon. So everybody, say bye-bye now. Bye-bye, bye-bye now. Bye. 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 Bye, bye. 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 bye now.